Good morning, y'all. Uh, well, I wanted to start today by reading from this kid's book, Love You Forever. So we're just gonna hop right in to this first page. Uh, it's a really cute story if you've never read it. It says, a mother held her new baby, very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she ha- held him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. And it's cool as the story goes on and as the son grows up, he's a toddler and you know things are absolutely chaotic because there's a toddler in the house uh, and she still loves him through that and he's growing up and maybe he's not making some of the best decisions as he's older, he's starting to disobey, all these different things. Uh, and then he's kind of, as a teenager and everything that he's doing, the mom finds strange and weird. It's like, I, I don't understand what you like and don't like and then you know he grows up moves out of the house uh, and and even through that even after he moves out of the house the thing that rang true the entire time is this mother holding him and rocking him to sleep every night singing that song I'll love you forever I'll like you for always as long as I'm living my baby you'll be and then we catch up when the son is older and the mother um, gives him a call well the mother She got older and she got older and older and older. And one day she called up her son and said, you better come see me because I'm very old and sick. So her son came to see her. When he came in the door, she tried to sing the song. She She sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, but she couldn't finish because she was too old and too sick. The son went to his mother. He picked her up and he rocked her back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and he sang this song. I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my mommy, you'll be. And I I love that story, it's cute, uh, it's fun, um, but I love it mainly because of the faithfulness that we see of this mom. Throughout the son's life, throughout the good, the bad, the ugly, everything else, this mom has been faithfully caring for her son, faithfully loving her son. Unfortunately, I think for a lot of different reasons probably, there's, there's a number of us who maybe didn't get to experience quite the extent of this faithful love from a parent as the son did in this story. I know for me personally, I've, I've shared before, but my mom passed away when I was 14. And so kind of this, this, this is a story, there's a lot of things that you know, she experienced and she got to be with him through that I feel like I've missed out on since my mom passed away. And last week, I think Josh did a really great job talking about kind of the responsibility that parents have, that we have when looking toward our children to enjoy them, to care for them, and to teach them the ways of the Lord. And and man, if you didn't listen to that, you need to go back and check it out. It was super good, super convicting, but really good. Um, However, today, that's not our focus. Today we're gonna talk about kind of the the opposite relationship. How should children relate to parents? And we're gonna talk about the responsibility that we all have as children to honor our parents. And more specifically, here's my takeaway today is that we honor our parents by caring for them when they are in need. We honor our parents by caring for them when they are in need. 
And this command, it goes all the way back to Moses and Mount Sinai where God gave him the 10 commandments and they're like, hey, here are 10 things, 10 ways to relate to me, to relate to other people. And you know, even if this is your first day in church, if so, welcome, we're glad you're here, but you've probably heard that, right? You've heard honor thy mother and father at some point in your life. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Tim, when he started this series, Significant Others, he began talking about the marriage relationship, right? And he started in Ephesians chapter five, and that's a really cool chapter where Paul is talking about how we should relate to one another, how we should relate to all people. And he says this one really cool thing, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And man, that's, that's, that's like a, almost like a four letter word, right? Submit, you know, it's like an icky word. We don't like it. We don't like the idea behind submission. And this kind of cultural idea that comes with submission is that like it's the, the weaker person submits. When you submit, you're admitting defeat, right? But that's, that's kind of not really a good biblical understanding of what Paul is talking about, what God is talking about with this idea of submission. It's not being a doormat that someone else who's stronger than you can walk over you. It's a better way to approach relationships in which we are proactively prioritizing someone else's needs and wants and desires above our own, saying, you matter more than me. I care about you and I'm not gonna be kind of self-focused and self-centered, but I'm going to be submitting those things that I have, the things that I need, I want, et cetera, to the things that you need, the things that you want. And then Paul went on and Tim went on to talk about how that kind of fleshes out in a marriage relationship and how, you know, the husband and the wife are to kind of model their marriage after the relationship between Christ and the church. But just a few verses after this, Paul goes on to talk about and affirm the commandment that God gave to Moses uh, a a few thousand years before him. And he says this in, in verse one of chapter six of Ephesians, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. So here's the thing, we all are to honor our parents. And while we're living under our parents' roof, while we're living under their authority, One of the major ways in which we can honor them is by obeying them, by listening to them. God has put them in a position of authority over us, and so we are to listen to them. And and here's the thing is that, you know, as we do that, you know, like, well, as at least we ask our kids and tell our kids to do that, you know, like I think about my four-year-old daughter, Kinsley, and she's incredible, but she's a four-year-old. And so she doesn't always perfectly listen to my wife and I, and there'll be times when she's not listening and things are getting tense. And it's like, Kinsley, please, if you just listen to mommy and daddy, like this would be going a whole lot better. Trust us, right? You know, and that's kind of the, the sentiment that we come with. Like if you only listened, things would be better. And I think about kind of the end of that, right? Paul says this is the first command with a promise so that it may go well with you, so that you may have long life in the land. And that makes me actually think of my mom who, you know, my mom, I said, she passed away when I was 14, but you know, she's from Brooklyn, New York, kind of very strong willed, redheaded Irish woman, um, you know, like really intense a lot of times. And, and she would come and sometimes say to me when I wasn't listening, which, you know, wasn't all that often, but sometimes I wouldn't listen. And, uh, you know, or to my siblings, you know, hey, look, I brought you into this world and I can take you right back out of it. And she would share that and and it makes me think, right? You know, she was letting me know, like, look, if you obeyed me, like if you obeyed what was commanded by God, like things would be a whole lot better for you. And if you didn't, I mean, boy, you're gonna be in for it. You know, it's like you are gonna be in for it. Oftentimes, 
I think though this is where we stop talking about honoring our parents. I mean, we really like talking about how our children, our kids, the kids should be kind of obeying the parents, the, the adults, the grownups, the aunts and uncles. And like, I think we could all get behind that and we could talk about that for a long time. However, the reality is that one day we outgrow the authority of our parents. And even though we outgrow our parents' authority, we never outgrow God's command to honor them. Even though we outgrow our parents' authority, we never outgrow God's command to honor them. And, and here's something that happens that I don't even know if we realize, but as we get older and as kind of more stuff gets on our plate and we gain more responsibility, I think sometimes we don't give priority for caring for our parents. You know, some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, you know, like the Bible says that like once you grow up and once you find a spouse, you're to kind of leave your parents and to be joined to your spouse. Shouldn't they be your priority? Yes, they should. And then your kids should be your priority under your spouse. And you, know, you probably got to work some kind of job to help feed them and care for them, support them. And you should be doing that. And then here's the reality, though. The, all those things don't negate the command that we've been given to honor our parents. Just because we have other things that are to be a higher priority, it doesn't mean that it still shouldn't be a priority to care for them. I mean, let me, let me speak for myself for a minute because I don't wanna say that y'all don't do it because you might, but, but I have not done that very well as an adult. I feel like there have been times when life has just been crazy. I mean, we've got a four-year-old, a one-year-old, we've got one on the way. Um, my schedule at work can be kind of crazy with student ministry. Like I got nights that I'm working and different things like that, which I love, but you know, schedule can be wild sometimes and life can be nuts. And my wife has been in school and she's working now. And so it's like, man, life can just be so busy and then like everything's happening and, and all you can really do is muster up enough energy to deal with what's right in front of you at that very moment, whether it be work or your kids or, or whatever is going on. On and, and everything that's not right in your vision can just fall to the wayside. And I think that's something that's happened with me when I think about caring for my parents. They have not been a priority in that sense. They've kind of fallen to the wayside. It wasn't until recently in October when my dad had a heart attack that I started to realize that. And then again in December, he was diagnosed with cancer. And this has been kind of a rough few months and a journey that we've been on of, of his hopeful recovery. Um, and he is doing really well. But the reality is if you kind of go back a couple months, the person that was there the most outside of my stepmom was my sister. She was the one taken off work. And she was the one that kind of was there and was helping care for him a lot more than I had been. Or even my brother in Texas has been on the phone, I know a whole lot more times than I've been on the phone with my dad. And it's been kind of a hard reality to realize over the past couple of months that sometimes I can get so busy and so focused on what's right in front of me that I'm forgetting my responsibilities and priorities that kind of are outside of my house, my dad being one of those. And so maybe that's just me, but I would suspect that there's probably one or two others of us that do that as well. And not only, I think, do we kind of sometimes fail to give our parents that priority, but we don't realize that as our parents age, they become a part of a vulnerable population in our society. Griswold Home Care, they have some really alarming statistics around senior and elder abuse. And they're defining someone who's senior or elder as about 60 plus. The most common form of elder abuse is neglect. This means declining the individual's basic life needs such as food, medicine, and hygiene. Most elder abuse is committed by trusted individuals, 
such as family members. An estimated 5 million seniors suffer each year from abuse, and approximately one in 10 Americans over the age 60 experience some form of elder abuse. And I think this is where it starts to shift, this next one, and it gets a little crazy. According to a 2017 study, 15.7% of people over the age of 60 experienced some type of abuse. But it's likely underestimated since only one in 24 cases of elder abuse is reported. Here's the reality with all abuse. All abuse across all, whatever kind of abuse it is, it's underreported. It is not talked about nearly as much as it's actually happening. And that's true when it comes to people in our society over the age of 60 people that are older, and, 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 and it happens, and even that number said, right, you know, one in 24 cases are reported, so that means you could probably take whatever numbers we're reading, multiply them by 23, and we're probably looking at a much more realistic statistic for people that are undergoing some really difficult situations. Family members are responsible. Family members are responsible for 60% of elder abuse and neglect incidents. And adult children and spouses account for two-thirds of all perpetrators. I mean, think about that. The people in whom these people have given their lives for and cared for are the people that are the ones that are doing the most of the abusing and the neglecting as their parents are aging. About two in three staff in nursing homes or long-term care facilities report they've committed abuse in the past year. Think about that. These are people who are willingly saying on some survey, probably anonymous, but saying, yes, I have abused someone in here where I work in the past year. There are definitely people who are not willing to admit that. And then financial elder abuse has resulted in losses of $2.9 billion a year in which these people are being taken advantage of. And abused elders have a 300% risk of death when compared to those who are not abused. I think these statistics and others like it, you can do your own research, you'll find, I think, a lot more of the same. They make it clear that maybe on an individual level, we're doing a good job, but as a whole in our country, we are doing a terrible job of taking care of our parents as they grow. Hopefully it's clear now we see that we are to honor our parents as long as we are alive, right? I love kind of in the story, the son says, you know, as long as I'm living, my mommy will be, as long as I'm alive, I'm gonna be honoring you. And it changes, right? When we're little, it's obeying our parents, but as we grow and we have less need and they start to have more need, it switches and we start to care for their needs instead. Well, I wanna take a, a, a minute to look at three things that happen when we care for our parents. Three things that happen when we care for our parents. First, when we care for our parents, we fulfill our God-given responsibility to them. When we care for our parents, we fulfill our God-given responsibility to them. See, in Ephesians 6, earlier where we read with Paul, that was not the only time that he talked about this. He had uh, a couple different letters to guys named Timothy and Titus, First and Second Timothy in the letter to Titus, uh, called the pastoral epistles. That's what we look back and we call these, because these were two guys who were leaders in their churches. And Paul was writing like some really crucial letters like, hey, if you're gonna be leaders in your churches, here are some major things you wanna know and you wanna consider, you wanna think about. And it's cool because Paul even calls Timothy like his child in the faith. Like he kind of mentored Paul and taught him what it meant to follow Jesus in a lot of ways. And it's funny enough that we see in 1 Timothy that when Paul is writing this letter to him, he's actually one of the pastors, one of the leaders at the church in Ephesus where Paul wrote his other letter that we read from. Here's what Paul said as far as it concerns us today. 
He says, support widows who are genuinely in need in verse three, right? And this is a huge thing for the church. We are to support those who are in need. We are to care for the people in our body and we are to care for the community outside of our walls. Verse four, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repay their parents. For this pleases God. The widow who is truly in need and left all alone has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command this also so that they will be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Man, Paul, don't hold back. I mean, tell us how you really feel. Right, like he's not withholding any punches. He's kind of coming right for you, for me, for us as we're reading this. There's a reality to the situation. The church is to care for people, but he's saying the way in which God has structured things is that your family is to care for you first. They're just supposed to be kind of the primary front of support and caring for you. So when people were coming with need, he was saying, hey, well, do you have family? Well, let me talk to them because they need to be caring for you. This is their responsibility given to them by God. It's clear, I think, Paul is making it very clear that all of us, we are to care for our family. It's our God-given responsibility. So first, we see um, that when we care for our parents, we fulfill our God-given responsibility to them. And next, I think we see that when we care for our parents, we grow in our Christ-likeness. See, one of the things that God wants, right? You know, God wants us to enter into a relationship with him and he offers that freely to us by placing our faith in his son, Jesus. And when we do that, we are made new. We're new creations, right? And it's, it's cool. And, you know, the, uh, Paul says elsewhere, the life that I now live is no longer in the flesh, but it's in Christ Jesus. And it, it's super cool. But what happens is that God, after we do that, he wants to conform us to the image of his son. He wants us to look more and more like Jesus. He wants us to live more and more like Jesus, to follow in the way of his son. And that's his desire for us. And I think that when we're caring and honoring our parents, I think we're growing in that way is because we see Jesus care for his earthly parents. There's a really cool scene in John 19 where Jesus is on the cross and he's undergoing the most horrific form of torture and execution that has ever been created by man. And all the while beneath him are his mother, Mary, and one of his best friends, John. And he looks down at Mary and he says, mother, look, this is your son. And son, look, this is your mother. And he is ensuring that his mother is going to be taken care of when he is no longer there, when he's no longer living, when he can't be here to care for her himself. He's ensuring that she will be cared for. Jesus even did that. So when we're doing this, when we're stepping in and caring for our parents, how big or how small, whatever it looks like, we are following in the way of Jesus. We are living like Jesus. We are growing in our Christ likeness. Lastly, and probably the most difficult thing that I'm gonna talk about today is that when we care for our parents who didn't always care for us, we mirror the heart of God. And the reality is that in a room this size with people watching online as well, I, I know that there's probably a lot of people who don't have the best relationship with their parents. And that ranges from, you know, maybe a parent who's deceased, like 
I shared earlier or a parent who, um, a parent who you, you, your relationship is just not great right now, it's rocky or, or a situation where you know, maybe you don't talk anymore and you're estranged or a situation where as you were growing up, you were not cared for very well or, or even God forbid situations where you were abused by the people who were entrusted to take care of you. And for those situations, I, I am so sorry. I, I can't experience and I can't understand or comprehend the depth of the pain that you must feel in, in that situation. And I, I'm not saying that I, I get it. But what is true is that the fact still remains that we're still to honor our parents, even the ones that have not cared for us. And God even addresses situations like this and I'm thankful for it and how we're exactly we are to go about them. And, and here's what we read in 1 Peter chapter three. Peter says this, finally, all of you, be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. And Paul in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 14, he says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, instead associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his heads. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. I, I, I bet the temptation for some of you, if you've been in that scenario, if you are in that scenario where things are difficult with your parents, your temptation is to be conquered by evil. It's to allow what has been done to you to be the thing that rules and the thing that reigns. But Paul's encouragement and what God has showed us is that we are not to be conquered by evil, but to conquer evil with good. And I know you might be thinking, man, how can I even do that? I don't even know where to start. And here's where I would start. I would start at the cross because God is not asking you to do something that he himself has not done. If we look at Romans 5 verse 8, Paul says this, but God proves his own love for us. He proves that he loves us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of the cross, while we had turned away and said, God, we don't want anything to do with you. And if you don't think you're in that camp, the Bible says that we all are. All like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to their own way. Turning away from God saying, we don't want anything to do with you. And in doing so, being enemies of the cross of Christ. And it's not that God died for good people. It's not that he died for people who care for him. He died for his enemies, people who wanted nothing to do with him, to bring us as dead people into new life, to bring us as enemies into his family. He decided not to let evil conquer, but to conquer evil with good. And my hope for any of you in that situation would be to turn to the cross and see this for yourself, see how God has done this for you. And my prayer would be that that begin to change in you a heart where you don't wanna let this evil conquer, but you wanna conquer the evil that has been done in your life with good, to not repay evil for evil, but to repay it with good. 
And here's the thing, when you're doing that, when you're caring for your parents, when you're honoring your parents who have not honored you, who have not cared for you, you are mirroring God's heart. And I know that might look very different from somebody else in the room today. It might look very different what that first step looks like. It might not be a a, a couple hour visit and FaceTime calls and a very normal thing. It might just be a first step of saying, man, God, I don't know how to do it, but I'm just gonna stick with you and, and I'm gonna bring this to you and to the cross and I'm gonna give it to you and I'm just gonna start praying and I'm gonna pray that I can forgive and that I can move forward. I'm not saying that what happened was right. But what I am saying is that I hope that you can see the forgiveness that God is offering you and that we can try and conquer the evil that has been done with good. So with all this, I think the question that becomes with everything we've talked about so far is how do you care for your parents? What, is it, what does it look like on a Tuesday? That's what I say with my students. I'm like, hey, what is, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about something in the Bible. Hey, what does it look like on a Tuesday? Like, what does it actually mean? What does it look like in your week to do something? And I didn't feel that I quite had the adequate experience to offer a ton of help. So I asked a few of the people on our staff who have been faithful in caring for their parents, what it looks like for them. And I asked them this question, what does honoring your parents look like for you as your parents age and their needs change or grow? And here's what they said. I wanna help to the extent that they need and that they want. Sometimes it's grocery shopping. It's tech support, it's rides, it's odd jobs around the house, it's caring for pets, it's tax help, it's budgeting, it's investing, it's showing up and listening, it's visiting whenever possible and FaceTiming daily when I can't, continuing to invite them to be a part of my life and the lives of my children and grandchildren. It's celebrating the wins in their life, the new grandkids, the great grandkids. It's asking them for advice asking them for help, letting them know that they still have value, seeing life through their eyes, stepping back and understanding the loss that they are experiencing in losing some of who they are. It's honoring their legacies. And I asked them why, why do you do it? Why do you do all these things? Why do you make it such a priority? Because I love them, because that's what love does. Because I want them to feel the value that I place on them because I care about them. I care actually about how they're doing because my life has a greater meaning because of caring for my parents and because it's biblical, because God has asked me to do it and I wanna honor him in everything that I do. So the question becomes for you, I don't know what exactly the step is. I gave you a bunch of different ideas. I'm sure you're thinking of a few more, but what is the next step? What can you do this week? to care for your parents? What can you do to care for someone in your life? Maybe if your parents aren't there, who who has stepped in, who has been like a parent, who has been a mentor, something like that, someone else who has need, because it's sad, I think what I read earlier, the general consensus, the general state of how elders, of how people above 60, how our parents are doing in this country is not good. And I think we can begin to be a change in that. We can take it upon ourselves to care for our own parents and hopefully start to create a ripple effect outward in which we change the dynamic in this country where we begin to care for the people that grow into that population. I'm just uh, excited to see what God does and how he continues to do it 
And it's been cool to see how I've been able to grow as I've been preparing this and seeing ways in which I can grow still and care for my dad as he's on a really tough journey right now. I'd encourage you to join me in doing the same. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. Thank you that you are our heavenly father. Thank you, God, that when we were still enemies, when we were still sinners, you died for us. You came, God, not to heal the, uh, the, those who are well, but, but to heal the sick and to bring us from death into life. And we thank you for that, God. And we thank you, God, for, for the truth from Paul today, for the truth of seeing how we should honor our parents no matter what's going on. And we just ask that you help us to do that, to see ways in which we can honor them and care for them. God, and in those difficult situations to overcome evil with good like you have. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.